I am very grateful uh, to be with you today. I would like for my wife to stand up so that everyone will meet her. <laughs> Last time we were in this church, we were younger. <laughs> but, you know, I am very grateful that uh, this church was very gracious toward us. And even though we haven't been here for 13 years, yet uh, the church faithfully continued to support our ministry. But I want to let you know that uh, we weren't sitting idle during the 13 years. We continued to serve the Lord, and our ministry continued to grow. And after I finish my sermon, uh, I will be updating the church on what God has done uh, in our ministry since we last met. But this morning, I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 14. And I like to, uh, will, I will be reading verses 27 through verse 33. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27 through 33. This is a very common story. We have read it many times. So I will not basically tell the story, but I'm going to try to answer some questions regarding this uh, story. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 27, we know that the disciples were in the middle of the sea and the storm was raging. And the Bible says, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered them and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. This was a, a great day in the life of the disciples. During the day, the Lord Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and healed many of the sick people. And then toward the end of the day, the Lord Jesus performed a great miracle. He multiplied the fish and the bread, and he fed the multitude. Now, at the end of the day, it's interesting that the Bible says that the Lord Jesus constrained his disciple to go ahead of him, he said, go ahead of me into the, into the sea while I will dismiss the multitude. And then Jesus went up to pray while the disciples were going into the lake. And the first question that comes into my mind when I look at the story is this, Lord, when you constrained your disciples to go into the sea, into the lake, Lord, <clears throat> did you not know that they are going to face the storm? Did you not know that they are going to face the storm? <clears throat> the answer is, of course. Jesus is omniscient. How many children of God 
ask the Lord the same question these days. Lord, did you not know that uh, COVID is going to plague, the pandemic is going to attack and uh, uh, plague America and the world? The Lord, the Lord knows that. He knew. He, he, is, he is omniscient. He knows everything. I was in Ireland um, a few years ago speaking in a conference, and a lady who runs, uh, who's an, uh, a reporter on radio contacted me. She said, Dr. Figali, you are very familiar uh, with the Middle East. Uh, uh, I would like to interview you to get some answers regarding the culture and whatever about the Middle East. She said, uh, would you accept to have an interview? Well, I usually have conditions uh, before any interview, but I accepted, and the interview lasted about 45 minutes, and I, I, it was the most listened to uh, radio program, as I understood, in those days. But then after she asked all the questions, she said, Dr. Figali, I still have one more question to ask you. I said, sure. And it was a different question. She said, why bad things happen to good people? Why bad things happen to good people? Have you ever wondered, Lord, why did you allow this pandemic to, uh, to hit us in America? Well, my answer to her is that bad things happen to all people because our earth is cursed. And we, we, people, we, uh, we all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Because Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed the Lord, they delivered uh, uh, the, the earth into the enemy of God. And that's why we have weeds all over the earth. We have sickness all over the earth. And the question, Lord, when you send them into the sea, Lord, did you not know that they are going to face a storm? The answer is yes, yes. Well, the second question is this. Why, Lord, why did you allow them, since they are going to face the storm, why did you allow them to go through the storm? Have you ever asked the Lord that question, Lord, why do you allow that pandemic to spread all over America and the world? Well, the answer is they were called, what were they called? Disciples, right? Now, what's another word for disciple? Student. The word disciple means a student. And these men were students in the Bible college of the Lord. Now, in this Bible college, there were 12 students, and Jesus was the only professor in the college, and he was the president of that college too. Now, when we go to a Bible college, what do we learn? Why do we go to Bible college? In order to learn about Jesus, right? Because the more we know Jesus, the more we grow in faith. So these guys, these students, saw Jesus as the great teacher. They saw him as the one who heals the sick. They saw him as the one who opened the eyes of the blind. They saw him as the one who fed the multitude. But now the time has come for, for them to learn a new lesson about the Lord Jesus. And the time has come to see him as the one who has authority over the storm. It's time to learn uh, that Jesus has authority over the storm. And this leads me to the third question regarding that story. Now, just imagine them in the middle of the storm. They are struggling against the high waves and the, the, the wind, the boisterous wind. And the question is, were they alone 
in the middle of the storm. How many children of God, when they are going through the storm, they say, Lord, why did you leave us in the middle of the storm? Were they alone in the middle of the storm? And the answer is no. They were not alone. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, and he saw them toiling in rowing. How, Lord, why did you leave me in the middle of the storm? The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, with this part of the story reminds me of a painting that I saw some time ago. Remember the painting about the man and Jesus, they both walking on the sand, and the man looked behind him and he says, two pairs of footprints on the sand. And as the, he walks with the Lord, one day he will face a major battle in his life. And as he was fighting that battle, he looked behind him and he sees one pair of footsteps on the sand. And in the painting, it, it later they made it into a song. He says, Lord, we walked together all our lives, but now that I am fighting the worst battle of my life, I look behind me and I see one pair of footsteps on the sand. Lord, why did you leave me when I needed, when I needed you most? And you remember what the Lord answered him? He said, son, I never left you nor forsook you. Those are not your fit footprints on the sand. These, the footprints you saw are my footprints because when you're going through the battle, I was holding you in my arms. You know, we don't understand everything that happen in the world. We don't understand why we get sick. We don't understand why sometimes we have to fight viruses or fight battles in our lives. But we know that whatever happens, God will never leave us nor forsake us. And someday, someday when we go up to heaven and stand in front of the Lord Jesus Christ, all these questions that are unanswered in that moment when we see the, the, the wisdom of our Lord, all our questions will be answered. Were they alone? The answer is no. Jesus, the, Lord, the eyes of the Lord was upon them. The third, you know, it's interesting. When Jesus came to the ship, it was Peter who spoke, and he said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come toward you uh, on the water. And what did Jesus do? What did he say? Peter, come. Now, just imagine Peter get off the boat, and he is walking toward Jesus, and as he was looking at the Lord, he was walking above the water. Now, question, when Peter was walking above the water, was the storm still raging? Of course. Where Was the wind still boisterous? Of course. But as long as Peter's eyes were on the Lord Jesus, he was walking above the problem. But as he was walking toward Jesus, he, begin, he began to notice the waves. He began to notice the storm. And what did Peter do? He took off his eyes of the Lord, and he put them on the problem. And the moment he began, he put his eyes on the problems, what happened to Peter? He began to drown. How many children of God are defeated today 
simply because they took their eyes off the Lord and put them on the problem. You see, we cannot, uh, we, the, we, the problems are not going to stop. The battles will never stop. You, the, the temptations will never stop. But uh, as long as your eyes are on the Lord, you will never be defeated. You will always live a victorious life. 1983, my wife and I, Roseanne, did I ask you to stand up? Okay, my wife and I surrendered. We, I was working at, uh, in, uh, I was a manager in Toronto, Canada, and I was a member of Faithway Baptist Church in Ajax, Ontario, when God called me and my wife to become, to be missionaries. So I resigned my job and uh, came uh, to America, uh, surrendered, uh, joined a mission board, and in 1985, we went to Lebanon. Now, when we went to Lebanon, there was a civil war in Lebanon. And uh, people were fl fleeing the country, but we were going to Lebanon to serve the Lord. Now, when we were serving the Lord in Lebanon, we had a car bomb almost every day, a car bomb. Snipers shot at us. Bombs were falling everywhere. And, you know, uh, we, we, we never left the country. We stayed in Lebanon and served the Lord until the war was over. Even my pastor contacted me. My pastor was our church in South Carolina, contacted me, and he said, Edgar, why are you guys staying in Lebanon? And I said, why not? He said, because there is war. I said, so? He said, you're putting yourself and your family in danger. Why don't you leave Lebanon? I said, where do you think, where do you suggest I go? He said, go anywhere, but don't stay in Lebanon. And I never forget what I said to my pastor. I said, Brother Hanford, it is safer inside the will of God than outside the will of God. I said, I can leave the church right now and be hit by a car and be killed. So, you know, I said, if, God, if I am, I would rather be in the will of Lebanon, in a war-torn country like Lebanon, than to be outside. But, you know, again, today as I look back, I think, I say, I was crazy. I mean, we were crazy. I mean, here I was taking my family, my children, put them in the middle of the war, and yet, you know, how could we stay throughout the war? You know, when we were going through the war of Lebanon, my family and I, we never noticed the war. Even my children think that the best time of their lives were during the war in Lebanon. We never, th we never noticed the war because, you know, before the war, you would knock on somebody's door and they see the Bible in your hand, they will shut the door in your face. During the war, you knock at somebody's door and he sees the Bible in your hand, he will say, please come in, tell me more about Jesus. And God opened more doors than ever in the history of Lebanon. We, every Sunday I will preach, give an invitation, four to five people will raise their hand and say, we want to give our hearts to the Lord. So during the war, we were noticed, we were, our eyes were on the people who got saved. Out of our church, we had 11, 11 home Bible studies in the city of Beirut. We were so busy looking and at the ministry and following God's guidance that we never noticed the war. You know, uh, the Peter, when he began to look at the problem, we noticed him drowning. And as Peter was drowning, what did Peter do? He said, Lord, save me. Now, 
I don't know if you can see how funny this is. The comical part of this particular part of the story. Peter is drowning, cries to the Lord, and say, Lord, save me. Now, why is this funny? The answer is, what did Peter do? What was his profession? He was a fisherman, right? And if you are a fisherman in the Middle East, you better know how to swim. And yet, he was swimming. He didn't try to swim. He said, Lord, save me. Now, why did he say that? Because at that moment, Peter realized that he was disobedient to the Lord. And it's interesting that the Lord Jesus rebuked his faith. Rebuked his faith. You know, many times we get defeated and feel that God is not there for me, but God is there for you. And you know, by, you know, life is a Bible school. We don't only learn by going to a Bible college, but every battle we fight, every storm we go through, every temptation we go through, God allow us to go through this in order to strengthen our faith. Go to the countries where there is war and meet the children of God in those countries, and you will notice that they have more faith in God than in countries where it, uh, there are no battles. Why does God allow us through the to go through the battles for our, our uh, 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 benefit. You know, why did Jesus allow them to go to, through the storm? So that they will learn more about the Lord Jesus. You know, we had no question whether God exists or not when we were serving the Lord in Lebanon because God was there for us and we could see the answer to prayers while people in Europe and the West question the presence of God because they have no battles in their life. God is not there sometimes to help us. But Peter at that day cried unto the Lord, and Lord, Lord, the Lord rebuked his faith. That day, the disciples learned the three lessons that were very important, and we need to learn, look at those lessons. Number one, they learned that the Lord Jesus is omniscient. The Lord Jesus is omniscient. He knows everything. Was Jesus aware that the disciples were suffering and going through the storm? Absolutely he was. When you are in the battle, let me assure you that the Lord Jesus knows your battles. He knows what you're going through, and he is there for you. And someday you will find out why he allowed you to go through that battle. The second lesson that the disciples learned is that Jesus is omnipresent. He's present everywhere. You know, the lake was large. Do you think that the Lord Jesus needed a, a GPS to find the disciples as I happened to me to find your church? Without the, my GPS, I would be somewhere maybe in Canada. But praise God for the man who invented the GPS. You think Jesus had a GPS looking where the disciples were? The answer is no. He knew exactly where they were, and he went to them. And the third lesson they learned is that the Lord Jesus is omnipotent. He has authority over the storm. You know, there are many storms facing our country today. There are many storms facing our nation today. 
I don't, please don't be discouraged. Let us preach the gospel no matter what. Let us be the light that Jesus wants us to be. Let us be the salt that the, of the earth that in our community and our society. But let us also trust the Lord because he is omnipot omnipotent and he has control over the storm. My prayer, Lord, let America be great as for many, many years because the great nation of America is the greatest mission-supporting nation on the face of the earth. And you know, the more we, we support, continue to support missions, the more God will continue to bless the country in spite of everything. Because what's going to make America great, as Alexis de Tocqueville, the French historian, said, he said, America is great because America is good. And he said, when America ceases to be good, then it ceases to be great. But then he, the question was, why is America great? He, he, the, his answer was, look at the pulpit and listen to the voices that are coming from behind the pulpit. The church is the thermostat of this country. As long as we are faithful, as long as we love the Lord, as long as we are spreading and witnessing, God will continue to bless America. You know, when I look at my life, I praise the Lord. I can say, great is thy faithfulness. I was born in Lebanon. My father was Catholic. My mother was Greek Orthodox. And the first time I heard that Jesus saves me, when, when I was seven years old, a missionary family came to Lebanon, and they rented a storefront near our home. And this is when my Catholic father, my Greek Orthodox mother went, and my parents, my family, was the first family that came to Christ. And later, my dad and the missionary became as close as brothers. I grew in a very beautiful church in Beirut, Lebanon. I had no problem. I played piano, led the singing, did everything, Was became the youth director. At the same time, I studied English and then began to work in a bank called Bank of Chicago. First National Bank of Chicago opened a branch because Beirut was an international city. So I had everything was going well. Well, you know, God sees the future, we see the present. Uh, 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 there is a, Dr. Bob Jones uh, Jr., I don't know if you heard that name, uh, he came to Beirut, and he came to our church, and he preached in our church. My pastor, who didn't know English, asked me to interpret for him. After I interpreted for him, uh, I looked at him because I used to interpret for every pastor who comes from America. I would be the one to interpret for them. After I interpreted for him, I looked at him, shaking his hand, and said, uh, uh, what is the name of the church you pastor? And he looked at me and said, I am not a pastor of a church. He said, I am a chancellor of a university. And then he looked at me and said, would you like to come to our university? Well, in my mind, I thought Lebanon was very successful. I was studying at the American University of Beirut, uh, but, you know, I was polite, and I said, sure. 
Well, I, he must have liked me. I must have done a good job interpreting. Anyway, he gave me an application. He said, I am at that hotel. Come tomorrow and fill the application and bring it to me. So I did that and gave it to him. But in my mind, I wasn't thinking I'm going to come to America or go to Bob Jones because I was preparing myself to become a manager of that bank. Well, you know, God knew something that I didn't know. And when I gave him that application, I didn't know that God is preparing me. He knew that something is going to happen. And then God wanted to prepare me for the greatest uh, commission, for the greatest, greater task. Uh, shortly after Bob Jones, Dr. Bob Jones Jr. left Lebanon, a year later, the war of Lebanon began. And the first storm in my life took place in 1975. In one day, as a result of the first major battle, we lost everything. My father's convenience store was looted and burned. Our home was demolished. My father's car was destroyed. I lost my job. In other words, in one day, we lost everything. As I was going through the storm, to be honest with you, I was angry with God. I said, Lord, I am your child. I said, the house that we lost was open to receive your children. I said, many of your children come, had co a lot of comfort uh, celebrating Christmas, and we had prayer meeting. The church met in our home for two years. Lord, why did you allow our home to be demolished? Lord, why did you allow us to lose everything? Now I have to leave Lebanon. Well, when I left Lebanon, I ended going to Syria, from Syria to Egypt, to Switzerland, to Austria, to France. From France, I called the university, found out that I was accepted, and God opened the door for me uh, to come to America, to Bob Jones, where I had good Bible education, but also this is where I met my wife. So, you know, as I was struggling with God, God was planning my life. And he was preparing me for the greatest task. As I look back, I see when I was in the middle of the storm, I thought God left me. But today, as I look back, I realize God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He was with me. He protected my life. He protected my family. He protected us. We lost, we lost the material things, but we didn't lose our lives. And today, you know, as I look, I see that God has blessed us. 1985, Rosanne and I went to Lebanon. And as we were going to Lebanon, we, we couldn't actually land in Beirut. Uh, we, uh, uh, we landed in Cyprus. From Cyprus, we took a boat to Beirut, Lebanon. And I remember Rosanne waking me up early in the morning. And she said, Edgar, uh, look at the mountains of Lebanon. When I saw the mountains of Lebanon, I went immediately to the Lord. I said, Lord, the Lebanon was described as the graveyard of missions. I said, I've seen many missionaries come. We interpreted to many of them. They came and they went back empty-handed. I said, Lord, if you're going to fail me, please kill me right now. But if I step on the shores of Lebanon, it means you're going you're gonna to bless me. You know, I remember the first meeting we had in Lebanon was on a Wednesday night. In the church service, we had about 15, 14 people attending, and there was a young lady sitting behind my wife, 
I led this lady to Christ when I used to teach Sunday school before the Lebanese war. Now, as I was preaching, in the middle of my sermon, bombs began to fall. Our area was targeted. Now, any of you been in the military, you know how loud a bomb is? You know, it's very loud. So, as I was preaching, you know, and the bombs were exploding, I was really moved and scared, but I pretended that I am not scared, so I continued to preach. And this lady sitting behind my wife, she looked at me, she said, Pastor, why don't you come down and tuck your head as we are tucking our heads? And after the bombardment, you can go up and finish that uh, sermon. Well, I did exactly that. I remember as I was, the bombs were exploding, my son was one year old, and he was putting his hands in his ear trying to, and hiding his head in his mother's bosom as they were tucking their heads. After this, the bombs f uh, stopped, and I finished my sermon, and as Rosanne and I were going back to my home, Rosanne looked at me at, in the car. She said, Edgar, we are supposed to be the missionaries. We are supposed to be the ones who will encourage the people. But she said, but tonight, this young lady uh, uh, encouraged me. With her broken English, she reached to Roseanne. As the bombs were exploding, she said, Roseanne, not afraid, not afraid. And I praise the Lord. God bless us. We stayed in Lebanon. He protected us. I, I remember uh, my, my, the head of our mission board, six months after we landed in Beirut, he, he, talked, he sent me a message. He said, uh, Edgar, the American uh, uh, State Department ordered all the Americans to leave Lebanon. She said, he said uh, in the letter, if you stay in Lebanon and don't leave, when you go back, you will be heavily penalized. Well, the penalty was so high that Rosanne and I could not afford it, but then we went back to the Lord and we prayed, and we decided we are going to stay, to stay no matter what. So I called the American consul, consulate in Beirut and talked with the consul and told him we are missionaries and we don't want to leave Lebanon. What can we do to stay and serve the Lord? And the consulate, the consul said to me, he said, the only way you can stay in Lebanon without being penalized is if you give your wife the Lebanese citizenship. And then you and your wife will serve the Lord, not as Americans, but as Lebanese. And then he gave me a warning. He said, but, he said, but let me warn you. Should you decide to give the citizenship of Lebanese citizenship to your wife, then you will no more be under the protection of the American embassy. When he said that, I instinctively responded to him. I said, sir, when we first decided to come and serve the Lord in Lebanon, I said, we never pursued the protection of the American embassy. I said, the one who will have to protect us is the one who called us to come to Lebanon in the first place. And guess what? He did. He did. We went through hell, but praise the Lord, we never felt it, and we were never afraid at any time. We slept in our bedrooms. Our be we lived, we sl lived in a high-rise building, and we were on the top floor. Above us, there was nothing there. 
And one night, my wife and I were sleeping in our bed. We never uh, hid in the, uh, in the shelter. Uh, we always slept in our bedroom. My children were sleeping in their bedroom. That night, the area was, was bombarded and targeted. Now, in the middle of the night, about 1.30 a.m., my mother-in-law called me from upstate New York, and the telephone in Beirut rings, and uh, when I answered, I heard her voice. I got so excited to hear her, her, her voice, and as I was saluting her, I didn't know that she was able to hear the explosions. So as we were talking, she said, Edgar, are you guys watching a war movie? I said, no, we are in the middle of one. <laughs> but let me tell you what happened that night. The lady be who lived in the apartment beneath our apartment, she and her children were in the shelter. Now, the people in the shelter, the men were cussing, they were gambling, the children were rowdy, the air in the everybody was smoking, the air was polluted, and she had difficulty breathing. So she couldn't breathe. Suddenly, she came to her senses. She said, what am I doing here in the shelter, suffering, uh, breathing the, all this polluted air? She said, the Figalis believe in Jesus, and they know that their Jesus will protect them. She said, why don't I take my children, go to the, sleep in the bedroom that is beneath the Figalis' bedroom, and that Jesus, who will protect them, will protect me too. And she did exactly that. And guess what? He protected the Figalis and protected this lady with her children. And the following day, she came out and told us what happened. And she gave her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Until today, we are friends with this lady. You know, God blessed us, and God began called me at the beginning to plant the church in Beirut, but then afterward he called me to plant, uh, to go into the Middle East. And at this moment, I would like to ask my brother if you take me off the air so that I can continue and pre uh, show you the DVD.